Hey, I'm Will. And I'm Kat. Oh, that was loud. Sorry. <laughs> If you love 1980s pop culture, you'll love 1980s now. Each week we discuss our favorite 1980s media. Like movies, TV shows, music. Yeah, we chat with our favorite 1980s celebrities. Let's see, we got a lot of those. Uh, and sometimes it's more meaningful, like affirmations with D. Wallace. And other times, uh, Alex Winter tells us what Bill and Ted's phone booth smells like. Smelly. But it's always fun. And sometimes there's a surprise game, like right now, because once again, it's time to play... When you think of garbage, think of Akeem. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. No, oh, I'm darn. I thought you had some. <laughs> you don't have to miss the 1980s. You can have your 1980s now. Because that's the name of the show. Did it, you think people got that part? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now my brain is like going off. Like in my brain, I see like this giant toilet. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Who makes a mixtape? We do, we do. Who needs a mixtape? Who makes a mixtape? Who needs a mixtape? Do, do, do. Oh. Hey, 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 hey. So come on, now listen to our mixtape. Raise the roof and move your face. Come along and laugh with our mixtape. Ha 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 ha. So come on, let us listen to our mixtape. Sing along and clap to the beat. Settle in and listen to our mixtape. And now the music finishes. Enjoy our pork chop sandwiches. Well, hello there, everyone. And welcome to another edition of the Mixtape Podcast. I'm Jason Emmett. Here's Stewie D. Where'd my penis go? Uh, here's Casey Masterpiece. I'm drunk as fuck. I don't, ha- I don't have... I don't have spank dogs on here, and that's this is twisted. Good thanks, man. I, I was like, I didn't have sound for you. It's Except just I'm Matt. actually here. He's it's here. Not a, a audio drop. It's just Matt and us today, but that's okay. You're going to hear KC here in a few minutes. Uh, we're just doing, we're kind of doing the intro because we have an interview today, uh, and you guys definitely need to check this out. And I'm hoping uh, you check it out and share it because this was a really good one. Uh, KC and I had the opportunity to sit down. With uh, Mr. Jonathan Mayberry, and Jonathan is just an awesome dude. Like, seriously, uh, listen to this interview and enjoy it. But he is an author. I'll give you the nerdy stuff first, and don't worry, we'll tell you everything he did. But, uh, you know, he did a lot of stuff for Marvel. So that that was really what drew us to him. But it turns out he's done so much more. And he's one of us. He really is. Uh, it was one of those things where we sit down to do the interview and uh, we did, I, it gets cut out, but there are so many portions where the three of us just sidetrack and just start BSing about something that is not related. So I cut that stuff out so you guys didn't have to hear it but uh, and just kept it to the pertinent stuff. But it just goes to show you that the dude's really, really cool, and we will end up probably having him on the show again sometime. And do yourself a favor, pay attention to cons in your area because he shows up at a lot of them. And he is definitely the dude you want to go meet and tell him you heard about him here on the show and introduce yourself because super nice guy and and a great writer, award-winning writer. You will hear all of that. But that's who we're that's you know, Matt and I are here today to to intro him, as it were. And uh, the other guys, well, they couldn't make it uh, because I don't really like my friends. Yeah, you guys suck. Is what you do, and I don't really have much of a life. <laughs> 
so me neither, man. Actually, actually available. Actually, I'm super duper busy right now, but uh, I still made it. Yeah. I still made it. Uh, as everybody knows, I'm getting married here in two weeks, um, and that'll be awesome because Matt will be here. I'll get to see Matt, and uh, we're going to try to do a live and well, not live, but we're going to try to do an in-person show, and we got some fun ideas for that, and a lot of cool shows coming up. Uh, and a lot of cool interviews coming up, so stick around. Uh, you heard before the show, the uh, 1980s Now. Uh, you should go over and check those guys out. They are really cool. Um, so go over, get your 80s fix there. Come over here, get some 80s, 90s fix. And listen to all the other shows we tell you about. Not a bomb, because those guys are great. They're the bomb. I like how I did that. You like that was pretty good, right? It was good stuff. I like that. Thank you. I, I try. Always check out our good friend Patrick, Scream Queens with a Z. Uh, he just dropped a Trolls episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yeah. I have the, the oh, Troll episode well. queued up to listen to, but I haven't had a chance to start it yet. Yeah. But It's a good one. Better be it's damn sure one. I'm going to listen to that. We will. Uh, that'll end up on a Twisted Kid at some point, and we may have to have him on for that when we do that one anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I almost ended up on that episode with him, uh, but I took too long to respond. I didn't know that he had asked me to join him because I guess his original people backed out and he's like, Hey, and I, I got it. Like, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I found somebody else. I'm sorry. He goes, you gotta be faster than that pickle. He calls me pickle. I, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I know. That's cause I love Patrick. He just, he just calls me Matt. I don't know, <laughs> for people, so. uh, I'm sure was, I do, but it's usually like dickhead or something yeah i mean well that's what we call you but that's fine yeah Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying everything the one hit 80s one hit wonder episode just came out uh, prior to this one and uh next episode is a fun one we did a a, a, we'll call it a mini episode i mean it's it's gonna be like i don't know 40 45 minutes long but there's a mini episode that'll be coming up probably week of my wedding like that'll be the one that gets launched because we didn't want to not have anything but i'll you know i'm getting married so we're not going to record well we might but yeah uh so it's we're calling it name that band i just came up with a weird idea and uh found a bunch of bands (laughs) that had original names and i like tell the guys their original name and then give some clues and the guys had to try to figure out what band they were now so uh, it is a lot of fun but That'll be coming up, too, and then we have, oh, God, we have some great interviews lined up by the time this show. Actually, this show goes out uh, the day after we will be interviewing Chris Ballou from the Presidents of the United States of America, which is, yeah. we're pretty stoked about that. I'm I'm very excited myself. So that'll be coming out, too, probably, maybe uh, right around them. That actually might come out along the other one, um, the little mini episode. So I am a big fan, too, uh, and just interacting with him thus far. He's a just a great dude, and I can't wait to talk to him. Very talented, very talented. So I'm re- really excited. We have other people lined Prolific up as well. musician, we'll also say. Uh, yes, yeah. a lot of music. Yeah. yeah, and he still is, so. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, other interviews lined up. I, you know how it is. We, we like to tease until we get a little closer and then then we'll let you have the full thing. <laughs> Shut up, man. I knew it was coming. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, but we do. We have some really cool interviews lined up and some others in the works. Uh, so stick around for those. Yeah. I was trying but to think. Until of, then, Jay will tease until you get a little closer and then give you the full <laughs> thing. Then you get the full thing. God. Uh, <laughs> you know how we do here on the mixtape. Is, is that how you got engaged and then married? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I teased. Then she got the full thing. <laughs> some and for some reason she decided to stick around. I don't know. Uh I'm gonna play this it little blows clip. my mind that I'm in a relationship to be perfectly honest i'm like every day i'm like yeah i mean i've met connie and i i have yet to yeah. figure i mean there's got to be something wrong with her but i can't figure out what it is yet because like something's broken I'm up in that still brain still trying to figure that out and i know she's upstairs uh hearing me talk because she just sent me a text she goes are you recording or something because i can hear you talking to yourself in the basement so. she didn't even know yeah. <laughs> no no she was doing other stuff in the house so you I just, just text like, her right, back and say nope going. not recording just fucking weird yep <laughs> No, there's a demon in the corner talking to me, though. <laughs> he says uh, hi. So I'm going to play this little clip here, and then we'll do a little more talking, and then we'll go right into the interview. So uh, enjoy this. You've heard this, but enjoy it anyway, damn it. Yeah. Listen up, tapeworms. The Mixtape Podcast wants you. Drop us an email, your mixtape podcast at gmail.com, or leave a voicemail. 513 he seven That's 513-437-2377. All the cool kids are doing it. You want to be cool, don't you? See, there you go. There's our email and our phone number. Uh, you can send us over an email. Uh, we, we love to get them. Uh, we get a few here and there. I don't know why you guys don't want to talk to us. We want to talk to you, though. So. Yeah. Call us and write us. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the show. Let us know what you're enjoying, what you hate. Uh, we don't care. Send us a message. Yeah. Uh, you can also go over to the website, which is www.themixtapepod.com. Over there, you can find our swag, which you should be buying. I'm actually about to yeah. buy a new T-shirt because I have the hoodie, but we're getting close to warm season. I need the T-shirt. You've got you've got the T-shirt, but you've got, got special I made got hats. T-shirt and, yeah, two special specialty hats they're, actually they're yours I and switch yours them back alone. and forth depending on the day at least for now they're yours and yours alone yeah. you should uh color coordinating he'll he'll uh he'll i think he might already have them but you'll post pictures of those on uh, instagram because i, I told because i told you to <laughs> now you have to yeah. uh but that. that should send you over to instagram because we are on instagram uh, we are also on Twitter, and uh, we are also on TikTok, and uh, we're on the Fosse book. So you should go over there, join the fan page there. It is uh, Tapeworms, fans of the Mixtape podcast. Uh, and then, you know, Twitter, I think we're like the underscore mix underscore tape underscore pod, I think. I really don't know, uh, but that's okay. Because like if you just go over our website and click the link tree, Gives you all that information real easy, real fast. So let's go ahead and kick off that interview, and then we will come back once it is finished, give you a little closing remarks, and then we'll let you go for today. But we want you to come back next time. And please don't don't leave yet. Listen to the interview. That's what you came for was the interview. You didn't come for us. We yeah. we don't matter right now. You yeah, came for we're, Jonathan. We're just the medium with which you get the good, juicy content. Yeah, and honest to God, man, uh, Kevin and I talked about it uh as you'll hear, this was just a really fun interview. Go ahead, listen to this, and we will be back here in, uh, you know, like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, something like that. All right, here you go. Tonight, we are lucky to be joined by author, playwright, Jonathan Mayberry. Jonathan is a Bram Stoker Award winner. His novel series include the Pine Deep trilogy, the Night Cider, the young adult series Rotten Ruin, and V Wars, which was uh, later adapted into the Netflix series. On top of all of this, 
He has also written for properties such as The X-Files, Night of the Living Dead, Aliens vs. Predator, and New Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And he's written for Marvel and Dark Horse, covering characters like Captain America, Punisher, Wolverine, Black Panther, and Marvel Zombies Return. Mr. Mayberry, how are you doing tonight, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad, sir. We uh, we appreciate good. you uh, coming on and speaking to us for a few minutes today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm sure you're uh, pretty busy right now, what with the new series and everything going on. So. Um, busy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing to be, though, right? Actually, yeah, today working on a short story because I want to, I'm trying to clear my plate so I can get back to work on uh, the current novel. And I've got a bunch of short stories due. So I'm knocking them up. I'm knocking them out one, one at a time. Well, we have a, uh, we have a lot to unpack with you. You've done a lot. <laughs> you've been a, you've been a pretty busy person over the years. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't hands of the devils. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll start right from the beginning. Uh, when, like, when did you realize you wanted to be a writer? Like what inspired you? I'm one of those people that kind of always wanted to be a writer. I mean, even before I could read and write, I was telling stories with toys. So, you know, it's, it's something that I've always wanted to do. And um, I, I guess I started writing the first things I was writing for entertainment were comic books that I was creating. Like I would do a couple of pages every day, bring them to school and share them with my friends. This is back in the, the 60s, understand. And, I, you know, so Marvel was still, you know, relatively new and, I was having a blast doing that sort of thing. I wasn't sure what I wanted to write for a long time. Um, mm. You know, I, I went to college on a, on a journalism scholarship with every intention of being the intrepid reporter that would break <laughs> the big story. And I, it's probably the one thing in writing I've never done is I, I, I did not go into, um, into, into that form of journalism. Started out writing magazine articles. I uh, wrote a whole bunch of those for a lot of years. And uh, it wasn't until, geez, um, early 2000s that I, I really had my, uh, the idea of writing or, or attempting to write a novel. Right. No idea whether I was going to like it. No idea whether I'd be any good at it. And um, that novel wound up not only selling, but, you know, winning, winning awards and launching my career. So, you know, I guess at 48, I figured out what I wanted <laughs> to be when I grew up. Hey, that gets hope for all of us. I appreciate that, actually. <laughs> so I'm getting pretty yeah, close to that definitely. age. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you've you've won multiple Bram Stoker awards, right? So I mean, that had yeah, to impact your career like a, a great deal. Well, I mean, considering that I only wrote the novel somewhat as a to get rid of an irritant in a way, in that <laughs> I you know I, I was dedicated to nonfiction. I had written a bunch of nonfiction books, and I'd written one nonfiction book on folklore, on the you know vampires and right. werewolves, but the belief systems around the world throughout history. And that, that inspired me to want to read novels about folklore vampires, but they were really hard to find. So, you know, my wife said, stop bitching about it and write the damn thing. <laughs> and I, I did with every expectation of discovering that it really wasn't going to be for me. And um, I went up falling in love with the process. And the fact that it won the Bram Stoker Award for Best First Novel Talk about validation. Right. You know, when you're not sure that you're making the right decision and suddenly, you know, you're winning awards and you're up against Stephen King and people like that, um, that's that's pretty nuts. Now, mind you, the I was up against Stephen King. I was nominated for two Stoker Awards, for Best First Novel, which I won, and for Novel of the Year, which Stephen won. <laughs> and if you're going to lose 
to any word. Right. <laughs> you can't really complain about that. It's like, yeah, I lost. There is but... no chance out of <laughs> It's like I lost, but it was Stephen King who had to beat me. So, <laughs> yeah, and not too shabby. Like, yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I see. Especially it was for Lissy's song, which is one of my favorite of his. Oh novels. yeah, yeah. So he lost to a novel that I would have put on on any list of best novels of that year. So uh, you know, I, I and also it got gave me the opportunity to, to meet Steve and get to know oh, him. That's and, awesome. You know, that's time. amazing. So. That that didn't suck at all. <laughs> it's a pretty good pedigree to be <laughs> to be put up against, actually. I mean, and it kind of gives you some bragging rights if you think about it. So it's not, it, uh, you know, and you're not doing too bad for yourself. So <laughs> in the end, right. in the end, it all worked yeah. out. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, going pretty well. I'm now writing my 46th novel. Wow, since then, wow, that's crazy. You do a lot of horror. You do a lot of zombie-related stuff, too. Um, I know all authors hate that dreaded where do your ideas come from question, but we'll just ask it a little different. Like, So what inspires you? Like, What inspires you as far as life? I mean, are you into that kind of stuff? Is, or horror, is horror like one of your favorite genres, or how did that come about? Yeah, definitely one of my favorite genres. Yeah, me too. Without a doubt. <laughs> I, I read a lot of horror, but I also read a lot of mystery and thrillers and science fiction. I read everywhere, but... To answer the first part of that question first, the reason I started writing about zombies, which was my fourth novel was a zombie novel, um, Patient Zero, first of I don't know how many zombie novels I did. Um, When I was 10 years old, I snuck into the movies with my best friend to see the world premiere of Night of the Living Dead. And uh, we had no idea what we were in for. My my friend freaked out completely and uh, left halfway through the film. I stayed to see it twice um, and <laughs> kept going back. Um, same planet, different worlds, you know? And late, you know, I, I, I've always been kind of a science junkie. So, or science nerd, I guess is a better way to put it. So um, uh, it always pissed me off that the science in Night of the Living Dead made no actual scientific sense. Right. So I wanted to write a story where there was good science. And since I've been trained as a journalist, found experts in you know, various fields, interviewed them, and um, was able to write uh, two different versions of the zombie apocalypse, one in that book and one in uh, Dead of Night, where it's really heavily based on credible science. In the second one, in Dead of Night, which was launched its own series, we actually got to about, I think it was uh, 70% doable for the zombie apocalypse. Wow. Yeah, luckily that other thirty percent. Right, thank God cool. for that thirty <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah we, we can all take a nice deep breath at this point. But um, uh, I was hoping when I worked with the scientists to come up with you know, to get something that was at least I don't know fifteen twenty percent. Right, we blew right past that. <laughs> Oh man, I always tell people like we you know, why do we assume that if people come back to life they're just gonna want to eat us though? <laughs> like so right. I mean we well, don't taste good. I mean at least I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, it depends. I mean, you know, I, I there's that running joke about what happens if you're if you're a vegan and turn into a zombie. You know, what do you eat? Um, <laughs> right. But the, the other part of that is, uh, I because of writing the zombie stuff, I wound up on panels at you know Dragon Con and Com- San Diego Comic Con and so on with George Romero. Right. And then you know we went. I mean, pretty good friends, and we went up working together on a, on a, a really fun project. His, it turned out to be his last project before he passed which was an anthology of zombie stories. And um, one of the things that happened in that process is first I found out that he had already started reading my zombie books. Um, somebody had recommended them to oh, him, pointed cool. out that I dedicated it to him, but I didn't know the guy well enough to, 
you know, send him a copy, which would have felt presumptuous anyway. Uh, but, but he read it and, you know, loved the book. And um, when we were doing the zombie apocalypse, as the, the Night of the Living Dead anthology, one of his conditions for agreeing to do the book with me was that he wanted me to write a short story that took his favorite character from the second book in the Dead of Night series and bring him all the way to the house in Night of the Living oh, Dead. That's cool. So oh. it could have been canon that my stories are set in his world. That's cool. That's so, sweet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, a, I, I may have a cried when that <laughs> happened. <I'm> just... <laughs> I mean, it's a cool read. See, you've got to meet some really cool people through this process, man. And like Stephen King and, and George Romero. It's it's kind of freaky the number of, of people that I've met along the way that I mean, if you had were to bet on, on this person meeting that person would never have happened. What best example of that is when I was in middle school, and this again fed my uh, love of writing. My middle school librarian was a secretary for two different clubs of professional writers, one that met in Philly, where I grew up, and one that met in New York. And um, so she would drag me along to all the meetings. And in the New York crowd was basically whoever was in town uh, at, at whenever this publisher was holding a cocktail party at his, at his penthouse. So I got to know and be mentored by Ray Bradbury, Richard Matheson, oh, and Harlan Ellison. So oh, awesome. Wow. <laughs> So my life has not been normal, but it has not been boring. No, I am Legend, one of my all-time favorite novels, like of all. Yep, like, love it. And all right, so <laughs> so on on Christmas 1972, he gave uh, Matheson gave me a signed first edition of the paperback of of I Am Legend. Oh my god! And um, Bradbury gave me a signed first edition of Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh man, that and, is uh, so cool. Now I'm, yeah, I see where exactly. some of your inspirations come from. Now I mean, you, you've written vampire stuff, you've written zombie stuff. All of this makes sense now. I know what you were reading as a kid. Yeah, and, just, yeah. yeah and yet I didn't want to write that stuff. I mean, when I went to college to learn to be a journalist, I had no interest <laughs> in writing fiction. I thought I was just going to maybe touch on the stuff in some nonfiction articles, which I and books, which I did. But as soon as I wrote that first novel, man, I was totally hooked on fiction. Yeah, I mean, and now it's, it's about how I define myself. You were, you were. You were big into martial arts. You were doing like martial art writing and stuff, correct? I mean, that was sort of yeah. early stuff. Well, I, I've been doing martial arts for uh, jujitsu for fifty-eight years <laughs> now, and uh, I've written I don't know five or six hundred articles for Black Belt and Karate Illustrated, all those magazines. Written about fifteen or actually, I'm not even sure how many how many nonfiction books I wrote. A lot of them were. were uh, I taught at Temple University. I taught martial arts history at Temple University mm-hmm. for fourteen years. Um, so a lot of the, the martial arts books I, I was writing were um, textbooks either from my classes or for classes taught by friends who were good teachers but not necessarily comfortable with writing their own textbooks. Sure. So my first actual published book was a judo textbook. So, so we yeah, trained that, uh, JKD, and um, we actually we've met like Dan and Asanto a few times, and. Yeah, I, the Machado family were, were who taught. I, yeah. I wasn't that big into jujitsu, but some of my friends were really into it. So I know a little bit in the jujitsu. I wasn't that strong in it, but uh, so it was all Brazilian yeah, on it, our side, though. So Yeah. The, the funny thing about jujitsu, I mean, Brazilian jujitsu is based on judo. It's originally yeah. known yes. as, you yeah. know, I mean, Kano exported it everywhere. Um, here's a little bit of trivia, by the way. The first American black belt w- uh, was in judo, and it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, wow. I knew he participated the, um, in uh, judo, but uh, jujitsu. But back then, judo was known as Kano Jiu-Jitsu, so mm. named after you know Jigoto Kano who created it. You know, as as, it, as they moved more and more away from anything too closely at, attached to the samurai culture, 
they, they gave it its own name and its own identity, and it really was its own thing. You can see a lot of echoes of it in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like most people, when they think of jiu-jitsu, uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu, they think of like wrist locks and that right. sort of stuff. But our system a whole lot different than that. Uh, and I won't go too deep into it, but real quick, the, the, the clan that created that particular style of jiu-jitsu were, was a samurai f- family that were coastal traders. That was their, you know, that was where the money came from. So, you know, the, the fighting was all close range. Last thing you want to do was swing a samurai sword on the ship and wind up cutting lines and, and sails and so on. And a lot of the techniques were influenced by the, the different countries they went to. So you have a lot of Korean and Okinawan techniques, uh, Northern uh, Chinese, where you see a lot, of, a lot of kicks in our style that you don't see in others, a lot more hand techniques, and um, fewer wrist locks because they weren't trying to control people. They were basically trying to kill them. As a result, it wasn't very popular in the States because it was a particularly brutal style. You know, people didn't want their kids going, you know, coming home with bruises. So <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I, I love uh, martial arts. I've been involved be since I was a kid. Actually, it's been years since I was. It's been probably about God, six, seven years. Kev, probably. probably you can, a, you'd say, you know, be surprised six. what you remember once you once you kind of start moving. Again. Your body remembers a lot of things. Yeah, we loved it. Um, the guy we took uh, took it under. He's uh, he retired and, and moved away. He lives he lives in Vegas now. So, mm-hmm. and I just haven't found anything that quite compared to what we did. So it's just one of those things. Now, uh, Rotten Ruin it becomes a pretty extremely popular series. I imagine the fans are tons of fun. Did you know it was going to be what it was when you started it? No, actually, I wrote that. I don't know if you guys knew Christopher Golden. He's a uh, best-selling horror writer and, and an anthologist. He had invited me to write a novella for an anthology he was doing of zombie stories for adults. Um, and it was called The New Dead. And there was a whole bunch of us in there. And, uh, we, you know, he just asked us to do something outside of our comfort zone. At, by that point, I had not yet written anything for teens, and I had not written uh, anything that was post-apocalyptic. So I decided I would do something that would kind of, you know, be a, a, a nod to Romero, this is long before I met Romero, where um, it's what what it would be like to grow up like 14 years after the events of Night of the Living Dead. And I wrote it for adults, though, a younger brother and older brother, you know, the, the standard model in martial arts where you have a younger brother, older brother, even if they're not related, but it's still that same concept. Sure. You learn from someone, you know, you're apprenticing to. And um, after it came out, my agent uh, it said, you know, this, this reads like the opening of a young adult novel. And I'm like, you're out of your mind, of course. <laughs> Turns out she was right, but she's usually right. Um, and she she took it and shopped it. And Simon and Schuster, you know, made an extraordinary offer during a um, an auction. And suddenly I, it was a young adult series of novels. And I had only written the first, you know, one part of it wow. as, as, for that story. <laughs> And I had no idea it was going to become as big as it did. Um, it, it's required reading in thousands of schools. Funny, my ex-wife in Australia, her son came home with it, uh, and that's how that's how we reconnected as friends. You know, she's like, "Oh my God, he's, he's writing." Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> so you also you also wrote V Wars, which I didn't know that. So. V Wars went on it very successful and then Netflix comes along right and they adapted into the series which I've I had watched the series um that's one of the ways I found out about you how did how did that whole thing happen and what was what was that experience like overall when Netflix comes along and they pick up one of your properties 
was a little crazy. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the way that the project came along is IDW, which is a publishing house here, a comic book publisher right, here in right. San Diego, where I had done an, an anthology, a story for an anthology that was edited by Max Brooks, the guy who wrote uh, yeah, World, uh, World War Z. Yeah, World War Z, yep. And uh, yeah. The Evolution, is that is that what the new one's called? Yeah, The Evolution. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a friend, so he asked me if I'd write a novella for a G.I. Joe anthology of all things. Nice. And, oh, um, wow. After he, you know, after that was done, he, you know, he got so busy he wasn't able to do their next anthology, and they asked me. And I love shared world anthologies, so I, I said, well, why don't we do one where I'll write like a, a short novel that'll be a framing story, but we'll invite other writers to come in and write, you know, original stories. That's a cool idea. And I had this plot idea that I've been I've been developing for a while about uh, melting polar ice, releasing an old old disease that. Um, triggers dormant genes that code for symptoms that in, in previous centuries people thought were supernatural, you know, vampires. And the, the, the whole premise of, of V-Wars, it, it's not supernatural. It's, right. it's a, you know, a biological uh, or genetic plague. And, um, you know, I invited writers in to, to do this, do stories in it. And we had, we had a blast. We did four volumes of the, um, uh, the shared world anthology. And we did, and I, and I wrote uh, a couple four runs of the comics total. Um, and then the company IDW had its own media division. They pretty new media division and they, they shopped it for, for a while and Netflix bought it. Unfortunately, it launched right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. So that pretty much killed it. <laughs> you, you think but, it might, um, might've helped it, but you never know with people. And you, you know, Netflix is, out, they're tough too. If it had come out, and a half after COVID, you know, or, or even now, you know, yeah. it would, it would do, but it was too new and too big and people were too scared. And, and, um, you know, even though we had a lot of viewers on that, you know, we had, uh, I think 27 million people watched the show it was a huge number. Um, Netflix was just afraid that there was going to be, you know, cultural backlash. So they canceled it after one season. And Netflix, by the way, is known for canceling yes. shows. After yes, one they season. are. So now the rights, Resort to revert to me at the end of this year, I believe, and my my the star of my show, Ian Summerholder. He and I are, have plans for what we're going to do as soon as we get those rights back. Well, that's um, that's we, cool because I like the series. I enjoyed it, so I was kind of bummed by that. Netflix does that to me all the time. <laughs> I get I get bummed out, like because I'm like get really into something and I'm like, oh man. So I'm glad to hear you guys have uh, some ideas. Yeah, we we have some really radical. We're going to up the. Um, the level of violence and also cultural themes when it's really going to hit hard because a lot of it deals with intolerance, you know, as these new people emerge with, you know, as new types of beings, sure. you know, do they have mm. the same rights as us, blah, blah. So we're going to be able to play with that and, and, and have some fun kind of exploring society without taking an actual political side, just the humanist issues of, of uh, um, intolerance and racism rather than political. Yeah, that's that's cool. I'm excited that you guys are going to be doing that. Like I said, I was a big fan oh, and yeah. I was really bummed about it and I think that uh I think that um like upping the ante a little, get bringing the social commentary in a little bit more that would I mean, it just sounds like it'll be a better project all around. So, I'm excited. Yeah, and and we want to do the social commentary in a way that allows people to have conversations uh instead of immediately, you know, defaulting back to whichever political side you're right. on. We, right. Slip it in. Don't smack them over the head. (laughs) Get them thinking. Get them thinking. Yeah, exactly. 
Can sir. we talk a little bit about Marvel Comics? I just downloaded Doom War uh, last night, oh. and I've been uh, pretty hooked. Wolverine, Marvel Zombies, Black Panther. How did those uh, whole things get started as far as writing uh, for Marvel? My agent and I uh, had been trying to figure out how to get on Marvel's radar. And it's a very tough shop to, to, to get noticed by because everybody wants to write for Marvel. Then out of the blue, I get a phone call from Axel Alonso, the editor-in-chief of Marvel. He had picked up one of my novels at an airport kiosk in L.A. and read it on the plane back to, to New York. Uh, the novel was Patient Zero, um, first of my Joe Ledger thrillers, and found my phone number, which is not too hard to find, and called me up and said, hey, um, any chance you might like to you know, write for Marvel, which, by the way, is the silliest question I've ever been asked. <laughs> right. No, why would I want to no. write for Marvel? Yeah, so I, he gave me a – the first project he gave me was a, an eight-page Wolverine short um, to do. that they, they, they wanted a story that was going to be the, the, the back-up story in a uh, the Wolverine yearly anthology or yearly uh, issue, the, the anniversary issue. And I said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll do one. I, I did it, um, had a lot of fun with it. I, they gave me Tom Coker, who's an incredible artist, to do the artwork for me. And that always makes a writer look look like a better writer when you have someone like Tom Cook were doing the art. Right. <laughs> and, I, you know, they kept giving me projects. And then I, one day we were at um, New York Comic Con and uh, Axel said, all right, you know, we got five minutes until, you know, we have to be on a panel. Pitch me something right now. Make it up and pitch it right now. You know, which is, you know, if, if you're not no good pressure. at pitching. Um, yeah, no, no pressure. You know, that's that's tough. But I like pitching, so I, I said, you know, Punisher, last gun on earth, post-apocalyptic, last. You know, he he accidentally destroys the world. Now he has to try to save it. He's like sold. You know, and that was yes. it. I mean, that was, and I went doing. Uh, it came out as um, a Marvel Universe versus the Punisher, and um, we it was so successful. We went up doing three or two sequels. And a Wolverine run of four issues and another Avengers run of four issues. And it was, it was just so much fun to do. Um, now, do you and then Reg Sudlin, who had been the uh, uh, writing Black Panther, he had heard me being interviewed on, on, the, uh, on the radio um, about you know, how comics affected my life. And one anecdote I tell is that my father, who was not a good person and who was in the KKK, um, you know, I, that's that's the influences I had growing up. But the presence of the Black Panther in the comics, you know, contributed to my opening my eyes to the realities of racism and intolerance and so on. And um, so Reggie Hudlin, you know, the founder of BET Network and the guy who was writing Panther, invited me in to um, to pick up the book after him. Wow. And um, uh, it, it, it also because I was teaching, you know, he had, he had heard that I was, you know, I had taught women's self-defense for 35 years. He decided to give me an extra little present at the end of his run. Um, he had Shuri had T'Challa get injured so that Shuri had to step, step up to be the Panther. So I got to write the feminist black Panther for, That's for two years. Oh, oh, wow. That's really cool. That is. Yeah. Now, do you have a favorite character to write for? Well, Actually, uh, T'Challa is a favorite of mine, but my favorite, it's weird, I'm probably the only person who will ever say this. Growing up, my favorite Marvel character was Reed Richards. <laughs> I always liked the smart, you know, guy with integrity. They've messed with him since over the years. Oh, yes, they have. But back yeah. when I was yeah. during the Kirby and uh, 
Stan Lee years, and then there, you know the, the guys who picked him up picked the comic up after that. He was he was you know really trying to fix the world. They gave actually some of of his desire to fix the world to, to Tony Stark in the movies. Yeah, mm. build build a um, an, a suit of armor around the world. That's that's pretty much what what uh, uh, Reed was trying to do. But other characters, favorites of mine, Captain America. You know, I, I do love I do love integrity. I mean, characters has integrity and T'Challa, you know, because T'Challa did save my ass. You know, I could have turned out to be a real jerk. That's really cool to hear. Like, I mean, that speaks volumes. I, I really does. Cause people, oh, yeah. there's so many people that dismiss things like comic books. And for, for those of us who grew up reading it and for those of us, you know, you hear Stanley when he would talk about this stuff and how, how important he thought it was to, to be all inclusive. And to, so to know that that sort of thing hit home with somebody, that's that speaks volumes. So that's that's really cool to hear. Actually, it does. Comics. I mean, plus you have so many kids who learn to read because of comics. Because yes. well, some yeah. some people are visual learners. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I I really, you know, I I, I will never ever uh, undersell, uh, you know, ha- how much I have gotten from comic books. Yeah, I me mean, neither. I love them. So pretty amazing. And you know it's cool because you mentioned you mentioned um, how they kind of you know they change for the movies a little bit and hopefully they hopefully they bring Reed Richards back to form a little bit when they reintroduce him. But you started writing a lot of these characters like right before you know Captain America, Black Panther, all this right before the MCU sort of took off, right? I mean you were writing right at yeah. the beginning, so I mean it had to be kind of cool to see some of the characters emerge oh. onto the big screen for you. <laughs> Uh, I, I am such a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I, I love the shows that are on now that they're, do, they're doing on Disney Plus, um, and just seeing the, these characters come to life is is, is incredible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But also, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that however small my contribution was, it's still part of it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and there's actually a collection of my Black Panther stuff coming out. It's in a, this mega collection coming out this year with um, the end of Reggie Hudlow's run. That sets up Shuri. Uh, and, and by the way, one of the fun things is because he knew he was going to hand the, the book off to me, his last six issues, which is when Shuri is fighting. Well, I'm, you should read it. It's really, really fun. <laughs> the end of his, his run. He had me ghostwrite all of sh- the Shuri scenes oh, so that cool. I, I actually went up doing the entire run of Shuri. And then during, at the end of my run, you know, a couple of people did Black Panther. And then um, Tanisi Coates came in. And did a brilliant job. So they're collecting all of our stuff that puts Shuri in the center, uh, in the spotlight, into one massive volume that's coming out later this year. Now you mentioned uh, Disney Plus and some of the stuff they're doing. I've heard, I mean, I've heard talk that they're going to do a Marvel Zombie thing. Uh, any chance we'll see some of your influences in that? Good question. <laughs> uh, I did the. I worked on Marvel Zombies Return right. with um, three other writers. Uh, Fred Van Lent, Seth Graham Smith, who did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and David Wellington. And my contribution to it was a Wolverine Spider-Man story that also had a scene where they killed off all the Marvel martial arts characters in one scene, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, just because, you know, you, know, you only hurt the ones you love, right? Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I had I had some fun with that. And... Um, 
I guess I wandered, wandered down memory lane. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, I was just, oh, I was just saying. Hopefully, we'd see some what? of your influences on when they do the the Marvel Zombies on Disney Plus. I mean, yeah, be... there, there's a, a pretty good chance um, that they'll use some of my stuff because the Wolverine Spider-Man uh, issue was kind of pivotal in in where they were going with Marvel Zombies at the time. Right. But then again, there are a mm. lot of other people who have who have done some fine work on that. So. If, if, if they don't wind up using my uh, my stuff, I'm not going to sit around and cry about it. I'm going to just simply watch it and enjoy it. I appreciate that, too. Like, I really do. But you know you're going to be sitting at home and you're going to see something. You're going to be like, that was me. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, I, I, over, I mean, the, the patterns on T'Challa's uniform in, in uh, the first Black Panther movie were based on the alchemical symbols that we put on his on his body See, to help so him re- reclaim his powers wow. in the Doom War run. That's so cool. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so, I'm hoping so cool. that if they use, like, nobody knows what's going on in the next movie, but I'm hoping that they, you know, use some of my stuff. Because I, I did the run where Dr. Doom and Bla- and Submariner were were factors in uh, uh, in that story. And right. the, the rumors are that, that Submariner is going to be in, in Black yeah, Panther. So I've heard. So who knows? You never know. They don't, they don't tell me whether they're going to use my stuff, by the way. <laughs> you just get excited if you see it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, they'll, they'll tell Brian Michael Bendis because he's Brian Michael Bendis. Right. But they, they, they don't tell you know guy, guys on my level that uh, uh, they're borrowing elements, nor do they have to because it's all work for hire. They own everything I wrote. So they don't actually have to. That's why... When I found out about that that new collection of Black Panther stuff, I found out by doing a net search on, um, <laughs> you know, about once a year, twice a year, I do an internet search on myself. Right, and I just you know, have we to have to that. <laughs> yeah, like holy crap. Well, you know, it's a surprise to you that too. Then, so it's you know, you got yeah, you got things to look forward to. It's a, it's all it all works. Hey, all exactly. wins as I'm concerned. <laughs> So, are there any plans for big or even small screen adaptations of more of your work? I, I know the rights to, uh, I believe I read the rights to Rotten Ruin were picked up. Uh, were, were they not? Or? Yeah, Alcon Entertainment, they're at the script level right now. Okay, cool. Um, so, I'm waiting to find out what the latest version of the script is going to be. Um, and they're really excited about it. And we seem to be on the same creative page in terms of, of what we would like to see in the adaptation. So um, I'm, I'm pretty enthusiastic about it, pretty optimistic about it, actually. Um, and then I have a whole bunch of stuff that has been optioned recently. That's cool. Um, Joe Led- my Joe Ledger series has been optioned um, for a possible film franchise, and that's about all I'm allowed to tell you. The, the uh, A couple of my, my zombie short stories got picked up for possible movies. One is called Fat Girl with a Knife. It's about a body-positive girl who's being bullied in school and... Uh, it happens to be that when the zombie apocalypse hits and she winds up being the one tough enough to save everyone. Yeah, that's cool. Also, a zombie story I did called uh, The Death Poem of Sensei Otoro, which is a zombie story set in feudal Japan. And a uh, samurai you know, who goes on his last mission, aging samurai, and uh, has to go to an island that's been overrun by, by zombies so he can re- rescue a, 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 an important child. It sounds like a lot so of that, fun that too. Was an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, do you know? Yeah, Rot Ruin or are they too. talking big screen? Or do you know? Or for Rot, the Rotten Ruin series? Uh, or well, the Rotten Ruin is definitely big screen. Is it? They're they they want to see it as a series of movies. That's the only thing they've been talking about since they optioned it. They've never once talked about TV. They 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 think it's a series of movies, and I'm okay with that. Oh yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> Fat Girl with a Knife is likely to be a TV movie. 
Um, this, the samurai thing uh, it could be could go either way. A lot of it depends on which actor they get involved. There's there's one that they really want who seems to be interested. So keep my fingers crossed. It's it's and, great um, nowadays though because even when like nowadays when they do stuff even on TV, there's so many options and they don't they don't like dumb stuff down anymore. You still get kind of like TV stuff is yeah. way better than it used to be. That's for sure. So. Yeah, and and they realize that campy doesn't sell. I mean, right? Know, campy sells if it has to be campy, but not if you're trying to do something and you know and appeal to the the legitimate right, fans. Right, right. Marvel figured that finally. Uh, DC still has to work on it. They're still working on it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> they'll get there. I hope Slowly. they'll get there. Every once in a while, they get it right, and you're like, yay! And then yeah, yeah. then then they, they do something else, that. and you're like, boo! <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm still trying though. So I know you are, but we'll ask uh, if instead of say, are you, we'll say, uh, what are you currently working on? Because I know you have stuff in the works right now. I know you're you're working on the, is it, is it Kagan? Am I pronouncing that correctly? The Kagan series? Is this what you're working on? My, 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 actually, my next book coming out is Kagan the Damned. Yes. Um, Comes out in eight. I'm very excited about it. I mean, we got really strong support from. Um, Michael Moorcock, who's one of my all-time favorite writers, who's notoriously, he's notorious for not giving cover quotes. He gave us a really great cover quote. Really loved the book. That's cool. Um, mm. I, I just wrapped a sequel to it, which will be out in January. But I got, like right now I'm working on a series, the first of a series of military science fiction, futuristic, you know, deep space military science fiction that I'm doing with my buddy uh, Weston Oaks, who is a really, really good, you know, thriller, horror writer. We're going to be doing three of those. I've got seven books sold that I haven't yet written because my agent is insane. Um, <laughs> she thinks I am too. So, uh, but it's fun. I, I, you know, and I'm also I'm editing Weird Tales magazine, which is, is a hell of a oh, lot. Oh, that's of fun. fun too. I mean, that magazine was so critical for some for the whole horror industry for the last 99 years. Yeah, I know some people that are way into it. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's really cool, too. And, you yeah, do and we just launched a novel imprint with Weird Tales, too. So uh, there'll be a bunch of writers, I can guarantee you, you have heard about, possibly read, who, who will be writing novels for the Weird Tales imprint. I just can't say their names yet because we're waiting for contracts to be signed. Still, <laughs> you have a lot. You have a lot going on. Which is inspirational. It really is inspirational. I mean, you're sitting here telling us, you know, I didn't even know I, I, I always liked to write, but I didn't know I wanted to write a book till much later in life. And it just shows people like you can do, you know, it, you can you can continue to dream. It doesn't matter, you know, just yeah. keep working on it. It's really inspirational. And you've done some really cool stuff, man. Thanks. I'm having fun, too. But one of the, the, the important things for a lot of folks, you know, anyone out there listening to this who is a writer um, you have no proof that you will fail. Whether you've had rejection letters or not, that's not proof of failure. That's that's proof that one business connection didn't right. work out. But, mm. you know, people give up too easily and they shouldn't. You never know what's going to happen. And and the industry changes so fast that even if, even something that you may have tried to sell before may suddenly be hot enough now to be the thing. So I I I, I don't want anyone to give up on their dreams. Yeah, I mean, remember people, uh, J.K. Rowling was passed on, so, <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens. Yes, so. quite a few times, as, as was Stephen King's uh, Carrie, his first novel. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it was passed over 
you, time and time again. You listen to him tell stories about the rejection letters that he used to, you know, nail onto his wall, and then that ended up having to become a spike because there were so many of them. He just, yep. he just keeps, he just keep going. So, well, um, yep. before we let you go, uh, you do a ton. You're out there a lot. Uh, can you tell the folks at home where they can find out more about you, some of your upcoming projects, uh, where they can keep in touch so they know what's going on? Well, the easiest way to find me is to spell my last name right. It's M-A-B-E-R-R-Y. People want to take out that the Y. <laughs> the first Y. Take out the first Y. Yeah, they think Andy Griffith show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not I the case. Growing up, but if you look for Jonathan Mayberry anywhere online, I've got a website. The website also has a page of free stuff for writers. So if any writer wants to go grab some some material, including one of my comic book scripts, I think it's a Captain America script. If I'm not mistaken. Um, or I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and I'm just now trying to figure out how to use TikTok. Because apparently books on TikTok are a thing these days. Um, something called Book Talk. Yep. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. My yeah, I'm just now learning it. So that's that's my next uh, thing. But I'm all over social media. I do an Ask Me Anything every Thursday at, at um, what the hell time? Is it? Uh, Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Every, every week, and that's a lot of fun. And I give out prizes for my favorite questions each each week. That's cool. And um, you know, I, I'll be hitting conventions all over the place. I've, I've got a, a ton that I'll be doing: Dragon Con, San Diego Comic Con, Archon. You know, there's a whole slew of conventions. That list of convention appearances will be up on my website within two weeks. And you know, if anyone's interested in Keg and the Damned, um, you know, please, if you pre-order it, by the way. You actually, they will send you a signed book plate to to put inside the book, and um, I am having a, an absurd amount of fun writing epic fantasy. I wish I had known how much fun I was going to have earlier on, because I'd have started it sooner. Well, but see, you gave us all this stuff already. We we don't want to get rid of that, so we're just going to be grateful. <laughs> now you've discovered it, we get more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because I write four books a year, I can write, you know, another Joe Ledger thriller. I can write something else and still have time to do more Kagan. That's books. cool. So I'm, I'm happy as a clan here. <laughs> nice. Well, we really appreciate you talking to us. I, um, I know you said you, you had uh, Instagram, and I think we we follow you on Twitter currently, but we'll, uh, if you don't mind, we'll shoot you over a thing on Instagram, too, and make sure that we're following oh, sure. you over there. Um, and then yeah. when... Hopefully we'll get to meet you sometime soon in person. Uh, we'll we'll try to make it out to one of the cons you're going to be at. Maybe I'll bring out my Black Panther Funko Pop and get you to sign it for me or something. So well, well, what, pretty sweet. What, what part of the country are you guys in? We are in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I'm, I'm going to be at least on that end of the country. Uh, soon. I'm going to, Phil, uh, to Philadelphia uh, in May. We love Philly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll actually be in Doylestown, which is right above Philly. So that's where I'll be launching Kagan. And... Um, then doing the, a writer's conference in Lancaster, PA, um, about a week later. But, yeah, I, I'm all over the place. I'd love to run into you guys, sit and talk shop, gossip about what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're – Oh, that'd be great. You sound like uh, our kind of people, like you're into all the same kind of stuff we are. It was really, really fun talking to you, Act. Oh, yeah. We, we pop culture nerds need to stay together – to hang together. You know? Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm with you all the way there. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, man. We don't want to keep you all night, but it's like we we talk about stuff, and I'm like, there's we'll 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 have to reach out to you again, and we'll you know if you yeah, if you yeah, come on I, the show I, again, we'd I, love I it. These, I spend most of my time you know alone at a desk. Yeah, right. So talking to other beings, is, especially pop culture nerds, is my things. Awesome. We really appreciate you coming on for a few minutes because it was really fun talking to you. 
Yeah, same here. You guys ask good questions, too, so uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Take care, guys. Right. Thank you. On the 80s and 90s Uncensored, listen to card-carrying Gen Xers Milo, that's me, and Jamie. And that's me. On the 80s and 90s Uncensored, we banter, debate, and discuss various topics from those two glorious decades. If you're old enough to remember those years, or if you're a fan of the era that defined American pop culture today, then you'll love the 80s and 90s Uncensored. If you're a miserable middle-aged office worker, and your life sucks, and essentially you don't have anything to look forward to, at least one day a week you have the 80s and 90s Uncensored. New episodes released every Monday. Subscribe or you get your podcast. All right, so there you go. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed having Jonathan on with us. He's, like I said, awesome, awesome dude. And if you have the opportunity to meet him, you should definitely do it. Uh, probably some really cool stuff in there that you guys didn't know. Uh, I think it's great that it looks like the Rotten Ruin series is probably going to be made into a movie. He's got other stuff in the works. And like he said, he can't talk too much about it. But the V-Wars thing, um, I didn't get to, I, I watched a little bit of it on Netflix and then, Netflix abruptly canceled it as they do. So I didn't keep watching it, but I'm glad that it sounds like they're going to do something with it uh, on their own now. So that's really cool. But you should definitely go over and check out his Marvel run. Like I said, there, uh, you know, he did the stuff with Black Panther. He did the stuff with Captain America Wolverine. And of course, the Marvel Zombies Return. Not to mention the fact that he's worked with just some awesome people that, you know, you got to be a little jealous. Plus, the pedigree alone were. You know, he he lost a Bram Stoker award to Stephen King. I mean, you can't really yeah like to to be able to say like I lost, but only because Stephen King beat me is that's not that's not really a negative. I don't see the negative in that at all. Please uh, go over and check him out on Twitter uh, and Facebook. He's on both. I'm sorry, and Instagram. He's on both of those, and you can find him through us. So there you go. It's the best way to do it. Go over and follow us, and you can find all the cool people we talk to here on this show and we are available there as well uh like we said earlier in the show you can go over to our website uh themixtapepod.com and you should uh there's a little bit of info about us not a lot because really nobody wants to know that much about us um there's the pastry crack episode that we should do we're gonna do a whole episode yeah yeah upcoming netflix miniseries it's like like 2012 casey masterpiece (laughs) Offers pastry crack to Corey Haim. Corey Haim. Turns it down. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> I don't know if it was 2012. I just, I don't, I have no idea. Uh, uh, Might have been. It was probably somewhere right around in there, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can, you know, the recipe's up for that. And you guys should try it and make it. You'll love it. You trust me, it's wonderful stuff. Uh, but that's not all that's up there. Our swag's up there, as we told you earlier, so you can go over and check that stuff out. Uh, there are ways to find us everywhere. You can listen to episodes of the show there. There's a whole page that just lists the episodes, and you can click on them. All the interviews we do uh, are up there, and you can click on those there as well and go to just those episodes if you just want to hear the people we talk to on the show. So tons of stuff over there to check out, so please go over and check that out. We will be back next week with another fun-filled and exciting episode of this show. Uh, next week will be probably the, uh, interview with Chris Ballou and there might be that bonus episode I talked about at the beginning, the name that band episode. So look forward to those. Matt, what am I forgetting? Yeah. Playlists. We do. Yeah. Playlists. The playlist episodes. Yeah. All the play or the playlists for the sound. Jesus. For the sound of Jesus. I'll let you, uh, put the, <laughs> I think it's the a stroke <laughs> mouth thing on there. 
think that's my first official stroke mouth on this episode <laughs> or show, actually. And it's always, it's always pleasant for me when it's not you. When it's not me, <laughs> I get to play it for somebody else. Uh, Thanks, what, Billy Squire. You know, he'll he's house band Billy Squire and the Squire <laughs> Jones. I want to talk to Billy Squire. Um, great. What Matt was elico- so eloquently trying to say is uh, he creates yeah. Spotify playlists whenever we do music-themed episodes, which is weird because we did when we did the one-hit wonders of the 80s, you ran into a bit of a snag with uh, Eddie Grant. Yeah. <laughs> Electric little, Avenue. Little, little snag. I'm not that and surprised. And then actually, side side story of that, I went down a weird rabbit hole of trying to find, not Eddie Grant, any version Eddie Grant of cover. it. I thought, yeah, I thought about putting a, like a, a cover version or something. Couldn't find any. They just huh? weren't good. Oh, no, there's a ton. <laughs> He's like, they're just really, uh, really bad. They're just bad. Yeah. No, so uh, Shaggy did one. Shaggy. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Ah. Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> he just he likes to say his name a lot. Sugar is the Jason Derulo of the nineties. So, um, Mr. Lava but Lava. I'm, like, I'm trying to find him. Mm. Mr. Lava Lava. Mm. She called me Mr. Bombastic. Mm. I'm fantastic. <laughs> Watch my roll, roll, mantic. It's all about rocking a hibachi. It's <laughs> rocking a hibachi with the Mr. Roll, roll. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it says. <laughs> I like Shaggy. We need to look up the lyrics to to Boombastic by Shaggy <laughs> to see what he's saying. But uh anyway, I'm looking up all these cover versions and they're just they're they're terrible in my opinion. And you know, I respect anybody else's opinion of you know, weird Eddie Grant Electric Avenue covers that you find <laughs> on Spotify, but they're awful to me. However, I came across a podcast I'm, i don't even remember the title of the show but it was a deep dive into electric avenue by eddie grant that's awesome and it was done by uh i can't remember the name of the band but it, it's a, a punk band and his special guest was jeff the girl ortega from the band five iron frenzy who i i love and it was pretty pretty interesting like they were you yeah know, obviously like going over you know a lot of the same topics we were talking sure about. but probably a lot more in depth uh, than you know yeah I like just they, they spent literally like an hour focused on one song that's and, cool yeah it was pretty yeah and that and when we talked about the one hit wonder uh, we talked about it in the one hit wonders oh, episode like i uh, never I knew the name hang on i think the name of the show was one hit thunder that's cool yeah. But I I mentioned yeah. it now, like I, I asked everybody, I said, what did you guys think of the song was about? None of us knew that the song was about like riots and, and race yeah. and like we had no clue. So it was really cool yeah. to find that out. And so I could see a deep dive on it. And Eddie Grant seems like a, a, a really interesting character to me. I would, he, yeah. he would be really cool to talk to too, but uh, but yeah, we do. The name of the show was One Hit Thunder. We do um, Spotify playlists for anything w- w- that w- Matt puts them together for anything that we have uh, music uh, episodes on. But as you can hear every once in a while, you just can't find a song. Eddie Grant doesn't like streaming services, so he doesn't put his stuff on them. So it happens. Yeah. But go over and check those out on Spotify as well. I think that's all we got, though. If you uh, want to talk to us, drop us a line, send us an email. Any way you want to get to, to us, we are going to be just happy as shit to respond. You know, it sucks. I I still have that gift. We've had people, <laughs> we've had people contact, but then they don't give me the information to send them the gift. See, we had a gift 
that we were going to send to the first person that contacted us and gave us, you know, their address. And nobody gives me that portion, so I can't send it to anybody. It still exists, and it's really cool. It's worth tens of dollars, <laughs> six, seven, five, but it's really cool. I promise. So. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to write and us, or, I have no idea what exactly it is. People, I will take a picture of it so. and send it to you because I own this too. So I will send okay. it to you. But uh, if you want to write us or or, or uh, leave us a voicemail, do that. And if you uh, tell us who you are and where I can send you some stuff, don't worry, we won't put that part on the show. But if you want to do that, we will send you a really cool '80s themed gift, and it's it's pretty cool. So you can do that uh you can head over to the website and find that information or you can just call us at 513 he 5-1-3-2-3, that is 513 i forget 77 2343 it's just he rad 77 513 he 77 uh and you can write us at your mixtape podcast at gmail.com uh, we're going to wrap up with that. It is uh, Saturday morning. We both have lots of stuff to do. We don't typically record on Saturday mornings. Uh, so we're going to do all that. But we love having you guys here. And we look forward to speaking to you again next week. And until that, remember to always stay awesome.
we, we FaceTime each other, you know, while we're pooping and stuff. But <laughs> other than that, like we haven't seen each You're other. You're supposed to tell person. people that. No. Yeah. That's not real, by the way. <laughs> Shut up. I was going to leave it. People aren't going to be sitting there going, is that, do they? You like, think they do? do, they do that, really? <laughs> no, we don't. 